postseason games going on right now, but that doesn't mean we're stop rolling out the podcast. This is JNC in the evening, Jeff and Caleb. We got a good show. As always, we'll go into some week four re- recap with some week five tickets for the NFL. Then we're going to get into a fantasy football segment. Start sits, waivers, boom, bust. Who are we going to get to win your league this year? And then we're going to switch over to some baseball, truly. Aaron Judge, new home run king in the AL, breaking Roger Maris' record. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about MVPs. Should the Mets be worried? They're up 10.5 games. Who knows if they're going to survive in the postseason? And then we'll go into some uncharted territory, how the new teams are going to do. New playoff format also in the MLB. And then we're going to go into some fan interaction. We put some questions up on social media. We're going to answer your questions. This is all coming up. JNC in the evening. It's October. Playoff it October. baseball. Yep. We're in the thick of football season. Let's get into what it. I, what I say, it's the best time of the year. Easily the through best time of the September year. September through February even, it's great. It's great. Basketball starting soon. We're a quarter in the way of the football season. Playoff baseball Prime starts. American sports. Prime American That's sports. That's for sure. The big three. Big three. But right now, we'll get into... We'll give some recaps from week four. Caleb, what were some games that kind of stood out to you? Jeffrey, they wrote him off, and he still ain't wrote back. Geno Smith with the highest completion percentage through the first four games in NFL history. Seahawks beat the Lions 48-45. to Geno Smith threw for 320 yards and two touchdowns. I love that. I was actually looking at the game as well because high-scoring game, you're going to get that every time you play the Lions because, as I said in Episode 1, they have the number one scoring offense in the NFL. They have the number one scoring offense in the NFL. They let everyone know on Twitter when they replied to that fan talking about I agree with that. Whatever he said, get a, get a new offensive coordinator in there. They let him know, number one offense in the NFL. But the only problem is their defense, in total defense, it ranks dead last. They have the number one defense and the worst, or they have the number one offense and the worst defense. That's why they're not winning games. If you look at the rest of their schedule, high-scoring games, it's going to be against the Falcons, too. I thought the Falcons' offense was legit, but then they had to kind of step it up because the Lions was even better. But the defense is just horrible. And that's why the Seahawks put up 48 points on them. Yeah, I agree. Um, And another game that kind of piqued my interest was the Steelers game, Jets-Steelers, where Zach Wilson came back, put up, 24 points against a good Steelers defense, and surprising to me, the Jets have a top 10 offense in the NFL. Zach Wilson's the first Jets quarterback to ever catch a touchdown pass. Is he really? The very You're first kidding. One. That's the, unreal. They're the, he's the first one to get the Philly special in New York. Unbelievable. <laughs> get out of here. Where are you coming up with these? Nick Foles, baby. Nick Foles. <laughs> my goodness. But yeah, the Jets are a team to kind of look out for. As they're, as, as I said, a top 10 defense, but they're off. They're or top 10 offense, I keep mixing those up for some reason. But it's, I got to look at the defense at this point. It's just how are they going to get going through games against good offensive teams. But speaking against speaking of opposite of good offensive teams, the Bears struggled deeply against the Giants. Why, why is this? Is Justin Fields not the leader of this team? Is he not going to take this team to the next level? It's tough. The Bears have a lot of injuries too. I, I feel bad for him, man. I do too. I, I was kind of contemplating this on the walk over here. Is Justin Fields just a younger Jimmy Garoppolo? Now, give me this. Before before think about anything else, is that Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo is very, you know, he's at par, maybe uh, below par, subpar at times. All I'm going to say is NFC Championship, led Mahomes in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. That's all yeah, I'm going to say. It's 
controversial to say the least. We said a lot on here, but Garoppolo is surrounded with a really good defense. And they have some, 49ers have some room to spare when the team doesn't score points. The Bears, the same situation. They have a really good defense, but their offense is still getting there. Fields doesn't have a true wide receiver one to throw to. Darnell Mooney is barely hitting 100 yards receiving in five games. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. I would argue, though, that it's kind of hard to compare Fields and Garoppolo. I feel like Fields is definitely a more mobile quarterback. I don't think anyone's arguing No, that. I agree that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of what you're saying about like the defense, I definitely agree with that. It's it, it's it's a tough situation. No, for... it is because I love Fields. I think he's very elite in QB1. QB1, and it's just he doesn't have anybody to throw to. And it's like the offensive scheme is very difficult for him to, go, to process. It'd and... be interesting even to see – like if you put Fields on another young team, like say the Steelers, with that which have better receivers, yeah, just to see how he would do. I agree, and it's he has the le- last year he had the least amount of time to throw the ball. The offensive line was that bad. They're making rebuilds, but it's still to go on. They they're winning games by not a lot. I don't they I don't think they've broken thirty yet at all this year. Maybe because it's raining in Soldier Field, but Chicago, there's better days ahead. Next game I want to bring up is the Bills Ravens. The Ravens have trailed for a total of 14 seconds I this saw entire that. season. That is a wild stat. If the Ravens could pull together in the second half on the defensive side, do you think that they would be undefeated right now? Or would they be the number one team in the NFL having beat the Dolphins and the Bills if they held their 17 point I, I, I think so. Absolutely. You said 14 seconds. That's huge. It's just those one possession games, those last second field goals. The, off, the defense isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. It's a very veteran-based defense, but the it's just unreal how trailed for 14 seconds and they're two and two. It's unreal, especially against the Dolphins and the Bills. They literally were ahead of the Bills by 17 points. The Ravens are the first team in eight years to lose multiple games at home when leading by 17 or more. It's honestly a tale of two halves, Jeffrey. Holy smokes! But yeah, it's props to that defense though for holding that number for the Bills, the best the third best offense in the NFL to 20 to 20 points, 23 points. But it's just that last second. It's just that spur like stroke of the luck Irish there that they get. And they're not getting that. It doesn't help too. When your head coach is trying to get you to throw for it on fourth down at the two yard line, instead of just chipping in the field goal, Mm -hmm. that would have sent them to overtime, gave them a chance to win it. Yep. I agree. And then I want to bring up the Raiders and the Broncos, a big first win for the Raiders. I would have to say, and, that is the most impressive the Raiders have looked so far. I don't know if they're, it's the Broncos' horrible offense that's going to go. I mean, the Broncos put up, I think that's their most points per game this season. How long do you think Nathan Hackett has as the head coach? Do you think he gets fired this season, or do you think that they wait? He's think- a first year, yes. First year. Um, Give me one well, He's going to get through the season. Okay. End of the day, he's going to get through the season, but... It's it's a tough call because of that. It's just I feel like it's the Chargers is the same thing. Like the play calling is just so bad right now for these teams. And then Chargers obviously did well, dropping thirty four points on the Texans as they should. But it's a really tough call for the Broncos because it's a new head coach. They're trying to cut him some slack. End of the day, who knows? Maybe it'll last through a season. Tom Brady had a quote on Twitter that was going around talking about the the mediocrity of play right now in the NFL. Um, 
it's interesting because there's a lot of two and two teams right now. There's a lot of sloppy football going on, as we see on the primetime games from last week. Yeah. And this Thursday with the Broncos and the Colts. It's interesting. It's an interesting year. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And week five is going to be pretty interesting, to say the least. And that's going to bring us to our next segment of our week five pickums. Caleb, take us away. Giants at Packers. I'm going with the Packers. Packers, absolutely. Steelers at Bills. I'm going Bills Mafia. Absolutely. Two for two with you. Chargers at Browns. I'm going with your Los Angeles Chargers. Me too, but I think this is going to be another high-scoring game. We can look at last year. It was a big game. It's going to be a big game for Njoku, all right? This may be a weird stuff, but I think it's going to be a big game for Njoku, but I got the Chargers. Texans at Jags. I got the Jags. Jags, same here. Bears at Vikings. Divisional game. I got the Vikings. I'm going to say the Bears on this one. As I talked a little crap on their offense, but I don't know. I think Fields is going to pull it off in an indoor field. He's going to embrace that environment at Minnesota. I think I got Bears on this one. Lions at Patriots. I'm going with the number one offense in the NFL, yep. the Detroit, Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions. Let's go. Seahawks at Saints. I'm going to go with Geno Smith and the Seahawks. Okay. I'm going to go with the Saints on this one. I like the offense they got going. Chris Olave's popping off. Even though they don't have Jameis Winston, they got a good chance at winning at home. Dolphins at Jets. I'm going with the Teddy Bridgewater Dolphins. Ooh, okay. I like that, too. I'll go with uh, the South Beach boys. Falcons at Bucks. I'm going with the Buccaneers. Buccaneers, yep. Titans at Commanders. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. I'll go Commanders on this one. I think the I think the Titans defense isn't there yet, and uh, Carson Wentz is going to get back into that group. I got Commanders. 49ers at Panthers. I'm going with the best defense in the NFL. Let me go with the 49ers. Niners, baby. I like that. Eagles at Cardinals. I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to be controversial on this. I think the Cardinals are going to hand the Eagles their first loss here. Cardinals. Cowboys at Rams. I'm going with the Cowboys. Cowboys. Bengals at Ravens. I'm going to go with the Ravens on this one at home. Ravens? This is the toughest game so far, I think, for me. I think the Bengals because they're big last-second pull-offs, and the Ravens haven't tracked well in that stat for sure. Raiders at Chiefs. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't bet again. I can't bet on the Raiders. Chiefs, even though I did it week two. Chiefs, easy. All right. Um, from those week two and three pickums, I am currently eighteen and three. Caleb is nineteen and twelve. I got. I'm a game behind. I got to step it up. You're doing a good job calling them. Thank you. Appreciate you, it. You do a little more ho- homework than I do, though. I spend a few more hours on this. Yeah. Is it concerning to you that I'm only game behind? I'm just pulling picks out of my butt right now. It's a little concerning, I would say, um, but I would just blame that on the unpredictability of this season. So Unpredictability, couldn't have said it any better. But now, since we got our pickums down, we'll go into a fantasy football segment. If you're struggling in your league, I'm 3-1. and one. Caleb, what's your record? I'm 2-2. Two 2-2, and two. Two and two, a lot of mid-teams this year, but take it from us. We know what we're talking about, kind of. So we'll go back and forth. Caleb, give me a start that you like this year, or this week. Fantasy owners pay attention to wide receiver T. Higgins. Coming off his best single-game point total of this season, he will be a high wide receiver too this week as the Bengals take on a Ravens defense that has been very bad against receivers lined out wide. Baltimore's defense has allowed 154.3 yards per game and the fourth most fantasy points to receivers in the first four weeks of the season. Be on the lookout for T. Higgins. Okay. I like James Robinson this week against the Texans. All right. And the Texans, who have the worst run defense in the NFL, and they allow the most points to running backs. But don't worry, James Robinson fans, it gets even better. The Jags are seven points favorites, but as a favorite to 
Robinson's averages. He's averaging 22 points and 19.2 touches per game. Start this man. Absolutely. Give me another one, Caleb. Next, I got running back from the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh Jacobs. Production is increasing for Jacobs as he had a great week against Denver, in which he was the only in which the only running back to produce more points than Jacobs was the Chargers' very own Austin Eckler. Jacobs has seen 11 targets in the past two games, which is very encouraging for those of you that play in PPR leagues. Jacobs faces the Chiefs in Week Five. The Chiefs have allowed 27.65 averaging points per game to running backs, which is the fifth most in the NFL, and they've given up the most receiving yards to running backs. If you're in a PPR league and you have Josh Jacobs, definitely consider starting him as your RB2. I like this too. I like that one too. I love the potential of Josh Jacobs. Third in running back usage this season, so he's going to be a quality start. For me, I got Christian Kirk. For me. Here we go. This is why. He he did only score eight points last week, but he still had nine targets. And the the poor weather last week heavily impacted his results. But here's what you need to know so far. He's had nine targets per game, seven Renzo targets, and four deep targets. So he's potential upside for a big game. I think I like him this week. I don't like him because I have Marvin Jones Jr. So he's <laughs> taking away production from... It's like, are you contradicting me right now? <laughs> no, it's just... I'm biased. Biased? Okay, give me a... We did two starts, two sit. Two starts. Give me two sits. Okay, so my first sit is quarterback Matthew Stafford. Need okay. I say more? Stafford has struggled as a fantasy quarterback this season, as those of you that have him on your team would know this. He's facing a Cowboys defense, which has allowed three touchdowns and four interceptions in matchups that included superior quarterbacks to Stafford, Joe Burrow, and Tom Brady. Ladies and gents, the Cowboys have picked off more quarterbacks than they've allowed touchdowns to. Stafford has been sacked 16 times this season and has only four touchdowns, six interceptions, and a fumble. So far, Stafford is not worth using in one quarterback leagues, especially this week. Put him on your bench if you have him. Need you say more? I'm with it, even though I don't have Stafford on my lineup, but I like that one. Um, I got a t- I got a hot one. I'm saying bench Najee Harris this week. Oh, bench this man. His carries have been, have gone down drastically from last year. I said this from the from the beginning of the year, but he's just finished top twenty and running backs just once this year, and now he's a fourteen point underdog. And here's why this matters. And he's being down. You know, this leads to a lot less carries, and then meaning Najee will only have to rely on targets. Since Kenny Pickett's at the helm of quarterback, he's pretty mobile. So he's not really known for targeting running backs. And when Pickett attempted 13 passes this week, zero were to Najee Harris. I think it's something to look out for if you're in a PPR half point. His pass catching usage is very concerning. I also have another controversial one. Sit Geno Smith. Although he's been a top 10 fantasy quarterback (laughs) this season, they're playing the Saints. And the Saints are allowing an average of just 13.5 fantasy points per game, including matchups with Tom Brady and Kirk Cousins. And we all know how low-scoring games Buccaneers against the Saints are, so that's not a surprise there. Yeah, expect Geno Smith to score less than 20 fantasy points this season or this week. I feel like Geno Smith isn't rostered in a whole lot of leagues, but if you do, it's definitely a sit. He should be. He should be rostered. (laughs) He should be. I don't know. I if think... he's in the waiver wire, go pick him up right now. Yeah, true. I have Rodgers out at the helm, so I got yeah, right. I got Lamar 16. Jackson. He's all right. been all right. All right, Best all right. We don't have to. Ha- we all don't have those god tier quarterback running back slashes. All right, this is my 
second sit of the week. I don't think Terry McLaurin is worth starting this week, and his role is expected to stay the same with Jahan Dotson out, the standout rookie from Penn State. But he's Terry McLaurin's being primarily used as a deep threat, and he ranks second with 10 deep targets this year, and his 17.9 yards per cast is by far career high, which is good, but the usage is great when you have an accurate QB, but we have Carson Wentz, and he's completing just... 30% of his deep attempts. So I think you should just sit him. All right, for my next sit him, we got Deontay Johnson. The Steelers are playing at the Bills right now, and the Steelers are starting Kenny Pickett, coming off his first, his debut in the NFL, in which he had three picks, I believe. Yeah. Needless to say, the Steelers are playing the Bills, and the Bills have allowed two fantasy receivers this season to score more than 9.1 fantasy points, which one of them is Cooper Cup, which is arguably the best receiver in fantasy football right now yeah with Kenny Pickett under center I would say Deontay Johnson is a flex at best this week okay I like that yeah Kenny Pickett there's a lot of question marks right there with him um team wise and fantasy uh Mitchell Trubisky got the boot out of there and Steelers fans were excited but it's dark days in Pittsburgh I think their quarterback situation is pretty pretty bad it's dark days. Let's mm-hmm. see how long it takes for Trubisky to get thrown back in. Under exactly, center. yeah. So we've got our football covered. Let's run over to baseball. October is here, the best time of year. Um, and I think the immediate, the immediate topic is MVP. AL and NL MVP. And, I'm cons- and the NL MVP is still up there, up in the air. AL MVP, though, it's really between Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge. I know you like I know you like Shohei Otani right now, and I want to hear why. Okay, where do I even start? Shohei Otani <laughs> is the first player in the history, underline that history, of Major League Baseball to qualify for both batting and pitching statistical categories. Ladies and gentlemen, that means that he's supplied enough stats to qualify for both as a hitter and a pitcher. Not even Babe Ruth. Hear me, not even Babe Ruth qualified as a pitcher and a hitter in the same season. Otani is the truest form of a two-way player that baseball has ever witnessed. Otani ranks in the top five in the American League for, count them, home runs, triples, OPS, total bases, extra base hits, and that's just hitting. Let's go to pitching, ERA, wins, strikeout rate, and total strikeouts. Otani is the first player with... 10 or more pitching wins and 30 or more home runs in a season. That's insane. The day after Aaron Judge tied Roger Maris's single season AL record of 61 home runs, which by the way, that's not even the major league record. No, it's not. Just saying. The day after that, Otani no-hit the Athletics into the 8th inning and went 2 for 4. Otani literally got more hits than the entire Oakland Athletics lineup by himself. That is literally insane. This season, Otani has accomplished feats that's never been done in the history of the sport until this season. We're talking most valuable player yes. here, Jeff. If Otani and the, the AL, if Otani and Aaron Judge switched teams, do you, you know, know that's so funny. I was thinking about that on the way here. I was like, if they switched teams, how different would it be? How different would it be? First of all, I think Otani's a better pitcher than Garrett Cole. Although Garrett Cole had a great season this year, he has the most. I think. Strikeouts. Most strikeouts in Yankees history, right? Yeah. Yes. Dude, if you switch them, the Yankees would literally be the one seed in the American League right now. 
and that's interesting. And that's okay, my case. just because that Otani offers that pitching side basically two Garrett Coles in the starting lineup. It's two Garrett Coles in your pitching rotation, and you have a hitter, one of the best. Also, hitters. think about this: Otani, left-handed, that right field porch. How many more? How many more home runs do you think Otani would have if he was on the Yankees? Sixty-three. Sixty. Maybe seventy. Maybe seventy. <laughs> maybe Bonds. Maybe Bonds. Okay. Yes, I I love that argument. I don't really have a dog in this fight. True Angels fan over here. We need a Yankees fan in here to back up Aaron Judge. But Aaron Judge was, I think, a couple points away from triple crown, which is very impressive. We haven't seen it since Miguel, Miguel Cabrera. Cabrera. But here's the thing: we've seen a triple crown before. We haven't seen what Otani's doing, so I love that case you have with Otani. But right now, it's almost in the MVP case. We're taking Otani kind of for granted because Aaron Judge, six. I mean, he's now he's the highest MVP odd with minus ten thousand to win it. The next is Otani with plus twenty five hundred. We've seen what Aaron Judge is doing. Granted, not yes. a long time, and granted without PEDs. But still, we have seen what Aaron Judge is doing. Roger Maris, he literally just broke Roger Maris's record. Otani didn't have to break anyone's record. He's literally he's doing, doing he's things. breaking his own record. He's breaking his own record. That yes. honestly, we'll probably never we'll probably never see this again after Otani. It he's literally an alien. It's insane. I agree. It's super impressive. And going back to the Barry Bonds home run record, Aaron Judge recently said that it's that's true. And it doesn't matter, steroid era regardless. He thinks that's the MLB record. He broke the AL record, super impressive, and that's why he's getting a lot of looks. Plus, his RBIs are really good, top in, top in the league, and his batting average is fourth or fifth in the league, second in the AL. Like I said, very close to winning Triple Crown, but... I have a controversy for you. Okay. The Yankees sat Aaron Judge. He was, what, .014 batting average yes. away from Triple Crowning? Did the Yankees sit him so he couldn't use that as leverage when talking to other teams this offseason? That is one heck of a conspiracy theory. That's unreal. I never thought about that. Do you think Aaron Judge was cool with sitting? Do you think Aaron Boone came up to him in the dugout and was like, hey, we're going to sit you? Why does it matter, though? They're not playing. Why in the, did he sit him? They're not playing in the wild card series. They literally have a first round bye, whatever you want to call it, until the wild card series is over. So why was he could have DH? He didn't have to play in the field. Yeah. He could have DH. He could have pinch hit at least for an at bat. I agree. I think it's um a topic to say the least for sure. Um, well, he's gonna be a San Francisco Giant by next season, so it doesn't. Do we matter. really know that though? I think the Yankees need a hand of blank check. Do the San, do the Giants even have enough money to pay him? Do the Yankees? I mean, they have I think Garrett so. Cole. They have. Anthony yeah. Rizzo, they have I think Giancarlo they Stanton. I think the Giants have more to offer Judge. That's true. That would be pretty terrible for me, though, in the NL West as well for an Aaron Judge-like player. to Basically, an Aaron Judge coming over to the NL West instead of from the American League. The Dodgers will get him somehow. They always, they always get these want, big free agents. I don't know agents. if I want Judge because I like the team we have right now. Like... Well, it's hard to argue against 111 wins. That's true. Very. I was at 162, too. That last 111 win was pretty cool. But speaking of NL, the NL, I mean, I would say this is just as hard as a pick for the AL as it is for the NL MVP race. And the can the, the four candidates I have right now are Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonso, Freddie Freeman, and Manny Machado. Out of those four guys, Caleb, who do you kind of like? 
that have the the best odds of winning MVP. That's tough too, and there's more candidates too in comparison to the AL. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say Goldschmidt because he's been in the conversation since the beginning of the season. I think Manny Machado's a late bloomer, talking about him being an NL MVP. Yes. Um, Pete Alonso obviously had a great season for the Mets. Freddie Freeman, it's tough, but I'm just gonna say Goldschmidt just because of, Goldschmidt? His, consistency, okay. of his consistency. Yeah. I like Pete Alonso in this conversation, and he's got five more home runs than Paul Goldschmidt. He's got 15, 16 more RBIs with 131 this year, which is crazy. And his OPS, the the only thing that Goldschmidt has over Alonso is his OPS, which is Goldschmidt's OPS is 183 versus. Alonzo's 146 and his war is a little lower too but those two categories I think Pete Alonzo has it Freddie Freeman should definitely be considered a little chip on his shoulder from all that agent controversy but I think it's really between Goldschmidt and Pete Alonzo and I like Pete Alonzo in this one I think they're both in the postseason too and this is another question I was asking myself it, it can't really work as the AL but if it was possible to incorporate some sort of voting system based on your performance in the postseason, do you think that should affect ML, AL and NL MVP races? Even if, I mean, regardless, if you don't make the postseason, that's the only kind of loop Achilles heel in this argument. Yeah, I'd definitely say that's the Achilles heel. And we're talking about the most valuable player in the league, too, which is... Like you said, it wouldn't work for the AO because the Angels obviously aren't going to be in the playoffs. Eighth consecutive season without a playoff, without a playoff seed. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a topic that I've talked about with my buddies for a little bit, and it just I, I don't see it working. But or should you only be considered for MVP if you take your team to the playoffs? Because that would factor in... That is why I had the thought of Otani and Judge switching teams. Yeah. How much how much better would the Angels be, or how much worse would the Angels be with Judge, and how much better or worse would the Angels, or would the Yankees be with Otani? I think the Angels would probably be around the same, just because, I mean, the Angels already have two stars, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, both home run hitters, both great hitters. So it's kind of like the same situation if you put Aaron Judge... Even if you put Aaron Judge with his 62 home runs on the Angels, I think it's around the same win-loss record. But I definitely think if you put Otani on the Yankees, I definitely think that they're the one seed, and I think they're favored over the Astros. I got a little giddy thinking about Shohei Otani with that right field porch at Yankee Stadium. I didn't even think about that. That's, <laughs> that's a little league. That's a little league home yes, run. Yes, it's it's. I I now I'm kind of curious about what that would be like. Who knows. Shohei signed. I mean, he did sign one more year, yeah, with yeah. the Angels, but he could go anywhere. He could go anywhere, and he's he would be the biggest free agent in that offseason, and I'm sure he's going to talk to a lot of teams. I'm sure a lot of big market teams are going to offer him a lot of money. I agree. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Um, I want to talk about now the other New York team across the town, the New York Mets, and they recently – blew a ten and a half game lead in the division and the Braves won the post Braves won the East for the fifth consecutive year in a row. Should the Mets be worried about this? The Mets spent hundred and seventy days in first place. Hundred and seventy days. The Braves have spent less than ten days in first place. But they're in first place when it mattered. The That's Met, true. The Mets face the Padres at home for the wild card series. The winner of that faces the Dodgers. 
the Mets, as I saw on social media, are considering saving DeGrom's arm should they win game one and start Bassett in game two. However, the Padres in the regular season won two of three in bo- two of three games in their both series against the Mets, and they also faced Scherzer in those series. Also, Juan Soto, his career numbers against the Mets is off the charts. He's hit over 300 against them with 71 hits, 16 home runs, and 42 RBIs, and with 40 runs scored. I think the Padres have the Mets number this season. I think this is. Ooh. I think this Ooh. is. The, the Mets wanted to avoid this. They went into. Did they play Atlanta at home? They did. They, they got went, swept. They went to Truist Park thinking, we need to win this because we don't want to see the Padres in a three game series. And if, if the Padres beat Scherzer in game one, which will be tough. But they're also the Padres are starting you Darvish and Darvish has been on fire to end the season. If the Padres beat the Mets in Game One, I think it's wraps. To be honest, okay. I think you only need you only really need to win one after that. You only need to win one after that, and I think the Mets are making a big mistake thinking about saving Degrom. You played for today. I was not just gonna tomorrow. bring. I was th- I was just I was just about to bring that up. They're thinking about saving Degrom. Automatically think they're gonna go to the NLDS and face the Dodgers. Yeah, they have the. Is pu- this almost too early? Like a premature launch? It's very early. And granted, this is just speculations on the internet, and it's not what they said they're gonna do. They said they're gonna consider doing this. If they're looking forward to the Dodgers, they're gonna get knocked out with a right hand hook by the Padres if they're not putting their guard up against them. You got to be in the now. You have to be in the now. You have to play for today and not tomorrow. So. I agree with that, and the Mets really. They, it, this is big, um, losing, losing the division because oh, they it's had. Huge. They're now facing the Padres, who, like you said, are a good team. I don't know if they're postseason ready. The Mets have a little more experience in that arena, but the Padres spent the year losing sixteen games out of twenty to the Dodgers, and. I kind of had I brought this up last last episode of how because the Padres just got kicked the crap out of by the Dodgers, you think they're ready for a postseason team like the Mets? I think they're ready, and I think their starting pitching ended the season on a really good note. I definitely think the Padres are in a better position than the Mets. It'll be interesting. I agree. I also want to bring up the Dodgers situation yeah, up here, yeah. and I think, and I'm saying this as a sports podcaster and not a fan. Uh, I think they're ladies little... and gentlemen, let the record be known <laughs> that Jeffrey went to the last Dodgers game of the season. I did. It was very fun. But I think the the Dodgers might be getting the short end of the stick with the playoff structure. A it's little interesting. Bit. It's interesting. I mean, this is I like the playoff structure. It's good. It's based on it was a COVID it was based on like the COVID year, you know, where you had to play the wild card game, the NLDS, the NLCS and get to the World Series. But they're playing either the second or the third best team in the in the National League with the Padres and the Mets. I would love to play a Phillies team or a Cardinals team any day of the week. Yeah. Yeah, the Dodgers are definitely getting the shorthand of the stick here because they're playing the fifth or the fourth seed as opposed to the sixth seed since they're the number one team. I think I think the MOB should switch it around a little bit. I think the fifth and sixth seeds should play each other and then they should play the one seed. Because then that gives them a better advantage. They're playing the lower seeds. They earn. It's like the, college basketball. It's like college basketball, and it's like NFL football too. It's like the same thing. The best seeds play the worst seeds. That's yes. how it goes. They earned it. They did really good in the regular season. They earned the best record. 
They have home field advantage. They should get to play the worst team. Yeah, uh, postseason is going to run through L.A., but I mean, I I don't doubt that the Dodgers have are better than every team because I think they are. I think they are the better-looking team than everyone in the NL. It just comes down to timely hitting. I think they're kryptonites on the other side of the bracket in Atlanta. I think so, too. The, Bra- the Braves, I think, arguably have one of the best bullpens in the MLB, along with the AL's Astros. And I think it's automatically going to come down to bullpen. And the Dodgers have a pretty good bullpen. The Braves have a pretty good bullpen. It's just about getting to the starters, getting hit by the starters early and getting that lead early. That's for the, that's the goal of every team. But going back to that argument, Phillies completely collapse and are blowing their they're almost blowing their first playoff appearance in the decade. But I mean, they got it. But now they get to face the Cardinals, who have been in there and have the experience with a surprisingly red hot Albert Pujols. And a really good St. Louis lineup with Arenado and Goldschmidt. Let the record show the Phillies beat the Cardinals in four of seven meetings this season. That's true, but oh. the but the Dodgers last year didn't win a series against the Giants and they won. That's true. It's it's what you do in the postseason, really. But it's, it's, it's what, a big part of the regular season is important. It's what you do in the postseason. It's about who's hot at the right time. Look at the Braves. I mean, they got hot at the right time. They made the Good trades at the trade deadline. They got hot, and they're getting hot now. So, like I said, the Mets spent 170 days in first place, and the Braves have spent less than 10. And look, they're the two seed in the in the yeah. playoffs. So, and I really don't think reseeding would totally fix this problem of the Dodgers getting the short end of the stick on it or whatever team. Um, the Cardinals would end up playing the number two team anyways if they won their wild card series. But at least with the reseeding. Dodgers would actually get the benefit of being the number one seed and have the chance to play a, you know, a far inferior Phillies or if the Brewers made it, if things fell their way. It's just they're playing two of the best teams, and I'm this is not a complaint. This is just maybe a flaw in the system, I would say. I would agree, a flaw in the system, but hey, it's playoff baseball. It's playoff baseball. We're here. Games are going on right now as we're recording this. The Rays and the Guardians are going on right now. It's uh, McCallahan and Shane Bieber pitching. And games are going on all throughout the day. So if you guys want to take a break from postseason baseball, hop on hop on the JNC in the evening and listen to our podcast. All right, if you guys are sick, blowout game. But playoff bracket, I can't wait for the postseason. Um, now we are going to go into your questions of fan interactions. We got questions. You asked us questions we're going to go back and forth. What do you think we'll do? Two to three each? Keep this short and sweet? Two to three each. We appreciate all of your guys' questions. Keep them coming. I think this is going to be a weekly segment. So tune in. See if we answer your questions. First question I got all right. is from my good friend Dylan McNeil, fellow journalism major at Sacramento State, asks, Is Otani the greatest athlete of our generation? Ooh, Okay. That was a mind blow, ladies Gener- and Generation? Do we consider LeBron part of our generation? Yes. Okay. Since he's playing right now. Um, the only, only the argument I have with Otani is that these MLB players are doing the hardest thing in sports, and that's hit a baseball. And Otani's doing hitting that the baseball and throwing the baseball. Significantly well. His exit velo is almost the same as his velocity on the mound, which is scary. So I like to say yes to this question. Um... This is regardless outside of playoff appearances and rings. I was going to say the same thing. I was thinking, I was laying in bed thinking about this question. 
And I agree too. I think if you strip away all the accolades, if you strip away all the individual awards, all the team awards so far, I think if you just go based off of athlete and the definition of what that is, I think Otani is definitely the best athlete of our generation as of right now. Okay, I like that. It's not it's not too far fetched of an argument. All right, my question coming from my boy Tyler Baca, former or current player for the Washington Nationals, is. He's, we're talking bullpens in this situation, and he asked, how was the Astros' postseason rotation ranked higher than the Dodgers' postseason rotation? Does this spell trouble for the Dodgers? Is this for, like, upcoming season that the Astros this is ranked is higher than the Dodgers? This is postseason right here and now. So, for postseason right here and now, the Astros are ranked higher than the Dodgers' bullpen? Yes. I'm going to let you start with that since you're the Dodgers fan here. Okay, I'm going to say no to that because... They got to get through. The Dodgers have to get through two other teams to play the Astros. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that when we'll get to that when they hopefully if they get to the World Series and hopefully if the Astros get to the World Series as well, because they're both the both Dodgers and Astros are going to go through the wear and tear through the NLDS, ALDS and NLCS, ALCS regardless. So they're both going to have their wear and tear. They're both pitching is surprisingly good and. Obviously, looking at it on paper, they're both fan favorites. Both fan favorites. I think if you ask a casual fan who they think is going to end up in the World Series, I think they're going to agree it's going to be a 2017 rematch of the Astros and the Dodgers. I would say probably the Astros' bullpen is a little bit better just because the Dodgers have Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, that's true, but he's not the closer anymore. Oh, It's closer by committee over in L.A., See, if you have a closer by committee, I think that just means that your bullpen is less Look, it's superior. The only, it's the only bad part of the Dodgers' bullpen, but other than that, they have really good guys. I don't know about Trinan coming back in the postseason. I'm disappointed that I he would has say been. also that would contribute to that as well. Yes, that's a good question. The though. injuries are tough. Back over to you. All right, I love this question. My boy Connor Pratt, the biggest Seahawks fan I know, asks. <laughs> Is Geno oh Smith? <laughs> oh my goodness! Cut it. We're not asking this. <laughs> he asks, "Is Geno Smith a top ten quarterback in the league so far in caps this season?" And then proceeds to tell me what I already know that Geno Smith has the highest completion percentage through the first four games in NFL history, which he's throwing above seventy percent right now. And I would say, I would say he's playing like a top ten quarterback. I wouldn't say he is a top ten quarterback so far. I don't far. think he is. But I would say he's playing like one, definitely. No, I, I agree, but we're going to go to the a top 10 right now. is a different argument than top 10 at the end of the year. It's a different argument. And like you said earlier when I was talking about Geno Smith in the start and sit section, you're talking about I don't even know how many how high roster Geno Smith is in fantasy leagues right now, which would tell you that he's not a solidified top 10 quarterback this season. But he is playing like one. And I think his game against the Lions helped that completion percentage a lot, obviously. So Okay. I like that one. I It had potential. High potential. We heard it. Here we go. Yeah, this go is from my one. buddy uh, Drew Zittle on the Biola baseball team. Simple question. What is the World Series matchup and who is winning? I said earlier, I think the casual fan would just tell you that it's going to be a 2017 rematch of the Dodgers and the Astros. I think it's really hard not to look at the AL and just see the Astros just go into the World Series. I would say definitely the National League is closer. I'm just going to do a sleeper pick and say the Atlanta Braves. Oh, boo. Boo. Possibly. I mean, anything can happen. Anything can I happen. love the Dodgers in this situation. I don't really enjoy this question because I don't want to be, like, super cocky 
and put the Los Angeles Dodgers automatically in. Because we've seen that anything can happen the postseason. But I do really like... Would you want a 2017 rematch? Yes. Would you? Absolutely, I would want a 2017 matchup. Well, Re- re- rematch. Well, for the cheating scandal, I would say so. But wouldn't that be a pretty bland World Series, don't you think? Maybe we need a little bland. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we need... I mean... How many times have we honestly seen the number one team in the AL and the number one team in the NL go at it in the postseason? I mean, we've seen the Astros in the World Series however many times in some odd years. It's kind of getting old, I would say. That's true, but it's you could say put the same argument in for the Dodgers. I would think a really interesting matchup would be the Yankees and the Dodgers. I think that's very... That's the, cl- that's the World Series rivalry. Yeah, I was going to say, that's definitely a very classic one. One that we haven't seen in decades. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think that'd be really interesting. East Coast, West Coast matchup. I think it'd be good. Mm-hmm. All right, Caleb, close us out with one more question. All right, this is kind of a new one for us. We haven't talked hoops yet. Hoops, okay. Okay. Perfect time. Yep. And my boy Chris, at no cap Chris on Instagram, says, Oh, good Lord. Better comeback season, Zion or Ben Simmons? Ooh. Give me Zion. Give me Zion, too. I like that, too, man. That guy is significant. He can... He is a difference maker in that lineup, for he, sure. He's a difference maker, and he came back in his preseason game the other day and put up double-digit points, had a Thunders dunk. Give me Zion. He looks good. If I think the only reason I say Zion is Zion Williams is better inside the arc than Ben Simmons, and I know neither of them can't really shoot that many good threes. They're both improving a lot, but I think Zion is more dominant, and he's more of a playmaker than ben simmons which is the third option in the nets while zion is the number one regardless maybe number two i think zion's definitely a better shooter behind the arc than ben simmons too he could shoot the rock in college yeah yes i i did see that when he was at duke and then it's zion for me better comeback here he's gonna he's dropping i heard he dropped a lot of weight he dropped a lot of weight he looks shredded shredded so it's gonna be promising for both these young men for sure and i hope they have a really good career but that's gonna do it for episode three thank you guys for tuning in tune in next week these are weekly episodes so if you guys are wondering where we're at we're here every friday friday evening evening. all right thanks for joining in we'll see you guys soon